Matthew chapter 6, 1 to 18. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in synagogues and standing on the corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we, may also, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will, be not, it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Here ends the reading. Morning, everyone. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, as we turn to your word, we pray that you would uh, be with us, help us. Uh, open our eyes. Let us see, hear, bring to us what we need to notice, what we need to change. Encourage us. Strengthen us, renew our trust in you, and keep me from error, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The Sermon on the Mount, as we uh, have been seeing, uh, is a long sermon. It's the first of five discourses in Matthew's Gospel, which is uh, long speeches apparently when I looked it up, as I told you. Um, and we're trying to see how this fits into Matthew's gospel. In particular, you're going to be wondering why I haven't said more when I don't say more. So we're, we're looking how all this fits. And so we're doing the Lord's Prayer today. Did you hear that? The Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer deserves probably a sermon series on its own. I'm not doing that today. But... 
Uh, we just want to see how this fits in. What does this mean for first century Israel? What is Jesus saying to his audience? How are they hearing it? How should they respond? And how do, eventually, how does that affect us as we are given the privilege of hearing it? Uh, as we saw in chapter 5, verse 1, the audience, uh, there is the crowds are in the background, but the main audience is the disciples. They are the new Israel which he has called out. He's just, in this chapter 4, in chapter 4, called them and they have come. And so as he speaks to them, we realise that uh, he is speaking to them, but that the crowds are around. And by the time we get to the end of chapter 7, verse 28, they are astonished. This light has dawned in this darkness and this speech is a good part and perhaps the first part of what that means for the Jesus as light in the darkness of this world. But he is speaking to his new Israelites and he's talking about what it means to be in relationship with the Father who has sent him and called them. And in the gun, sorry to have that such a violent uh, phrase there, but, but uh, in these sites truly are the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. They are really in his sights and again, uh, they are critiqued quite heavily here. We remember from last week that Jesus upped the game that the kingdom of heaven behaviour is much greater than the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. So Jesus goes on to answer these questions of what it means to be righteous, righteousness. And he, he has a guiding verse, which is our first point, uh, our heavenly Father is our guide in chapter 6, verse 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before people to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. There's a great contrast in this. As a don't do this, do that. If you do this, there will be none of that. It's a controlling verse in one sense as if you remove 6 verse 1, you will know the rest of the chapter. It will continue to speak. He was saying that God has come and that the teachers of the law and the Pharisees are doing their righteous living so that others can see, see them. And that will be a temptation. It will be the temptation that when you live, you want to be seen. Jesus is saying righteous living is rather done solely for your heavenly father. The kingdom is coming. The kingdom has come, remember, to repent, or the kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of heaven is near. And God, Jesus is making plain what it means to live in this apocalyptic time. Remember we said, forget uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger or any other pattern you've got for apocalyptic. Apocalyptic means revealed. Revelation, the last book means revealed. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying he's speaking the revelation, the revealing will of his heavenly father. It's as if the clouds have parted 
and in comes this voice. And he's calling out the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. In fact, the word hypocrite is used three times in this section, and that's pretty tough stuff. If you want to jump to chapter 23, you will find that they get a big wallop there. Anyone have a definition of wallop? Wallop, you know what a wallop is? Yes, they get a big whack. Anyway, essentially, they are aware of looking good on the outside. You remember the favourite phrase that uh, we all use every now and then, whitewashed tombs. What did that mean? They were looked good on the outside, they were whitewashed, they looked great, but inside they were dead. <laughs> pretty harsh, pretty harsh and pretty scathing. Matthew's Gospel has this in a particular focus, this thing. But anyway, he goes on to say, be careful, he says, to not do your acts of righteousness before others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And so he gives three areas of an example, as an example. Firstly, giving, from verses 2 to 4. I get very cynical when I hear companies promoting their good works. You know those ones where the banner is above them and they're running this or they're doing that or they've built this or they're running this program? And I always wonder why I know. My cynicism, I think, is wrong and I try to correct my attitudes. I'm fairly judgmental myself. That's, uh, I'm a minister, so that's what we do. We tend to judge people a lot. So I'm fairly judgmental and I try not to judge them but companies seem to make sure that we all know when they do charitable works. Uh, are we having any Arnott's biscuits later, do you think, after tea? Are we having Arnott's biscuits? Do we like Arnott's biscuits? Have you heard of Arnott's? Well, remember in the day, the founder, you might not know, the founder of Arnott's was very well known for his work of giving and doing things. He was a man who sat in a church on a Sunday and actually taught Sunday school for 27 years. William Arnott, I think his name was. Uh, he uh, was a superintendent of that Sunday school, a little church in Maitland, a Methodist church, I think, for 20-something years. Did anyone know that his company was involved in these acts of generosity? No, really. Yeah. You knew, but you know because they're the stories that have came out now. Yeah, sayos, that's right. Sayos were part of it. But he, that wasn't really a real promotional thing that they did. Why? Because William Arnott knew these verses. So I admit that I'm a bit cynical when I read about this company doing this and making sure I know it. But, like I said, I realise that some of these are great causes and if they didn't do them, that maybe the needs wouldn't be met. But I listen to verse 2. When you give to the needy, 
Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that you may be, may give, your giving, sorry, may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. I think it's pretty easy, isn't it? Chapter 6, verse 1 said, don't do your acts of righteousness in public to be seen. And so here again, giving is in private. When our father sees what is done in private, he sees where our heart is. He sees the people of God's true motives for why they do things. Our God, did you know, himself gives in private. Uh, all throughout this world, there are people who haven't given him a single thought today, right now. And yet, they are receiving from him every minute of every day. Our Lord causes it to rain on all and he provides people who may never really recognise or acknowledge his giving until that last day when every knee shall bow and every tongue and confess. So Jesus says to his new Israel as he's looking at them, give in secret, not publicly, because public displays and public praise is its own reward. There is no other reward. If you do it that way, your heart reveals what you're like. You remember, we saw the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart. They have an internal integrity, integrity that means they give for the right reasons. They do things for the right reasons. They are not for themselves. They are for others, and in particular, they are there to serve their God. Remember also, they are blessed, blessed are the merciful. Like their Lord, they show mercy through their giving. They give as our Father, as their Father in heaven gives. There is no kudos. Do you like that word? Someone likes that word. No kudos from others around them for being a giver. Instead, Jesus says, give in secret. This is the way of the kingdom of heaven, and the Lord will reward you. <clears throat> Secondly, prayer from verses 5 to 15. Again, Jesus critiques the righteousness that is displayed on his day, this time in the area of prayer. Now, it's a temptation for anyone up the front but particularly for people like myself, to be seen to be praying. This is not, verses are not there to say, don't do public prayer. We did public prayer, didn't we, today? I'm pretty sure I, I stayed outside till we finished. That's fine and dandy, but what we, is being critiqued here is the motive. Why do I pray? Why do you pray? In particular, why do the teachers of the law and the Pharisees pray? Remember, your righteousness must surpass them, said Jesus. 
the apocalyptic way, the revealing of God's thoughts in this area, in this area is that the, in the new age that has come, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. And so prayer is not for public display. It's not to seek public approval. Again, ministers can fall easily into this trap. And uh, if you're not a minister, you're probably thinking, it's not me, I'm not a minister. But ministers like to play, pray with great words, show how well they can pray, show how long they can pray. And we've, we've known, you've probably known people like this, and I'm judgmental enough to think there are people like this. It's a temptation for me. It's a temptation for everyone that I seek, anyone should seek public approval. You will get a bit of it when you pray in a group with people perhaps you don't know so well. Certainly I do. Ministers do it. If I was to sit in a group with a bunch of ministers and I didn't pray, then I have to live with what that person and that person and that person and that person thinks of me. And I'm tempted to think things of them when they don't pray or if how they pray. We are all, our hearts can be not right. Even the best of us, and certainly me as well. <laughs> Jesus says, when you pray, Verse 5, you must be, not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. So you see what's happening. It's unusual for us. We don't understand it really. But they are publicly praying so they will be seen. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, Shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So prayer, again, is not public, but it is private. Jesus says, go into your room and shut the door. The message of private prayer is quite clear. It's an incredible contrast to those who love the public display. Again, it can be a temptation to love the public display of your righteousness. Jesus says the teachers of the law, the Pharisees are guilty of that. They pray so that everyone can see them. Jesus critiques also the Gentile practice of lots of empty phrases and words. Verse 7, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Humility is important. Blessed, Jesus said, Blessed are the meek. The kingdom of heaven values are people who 
Don't do things to be seen. Rather, they are people of internal integrity who will do. What you do in private, and hence the shut the door idea, I think the only reason Jesus says this is because it's incredible contrast between the public and shut your door and do in secret. Of course, what you do in secret does reveal where your heart is, doesn't it? When we pray, when no one else knows I pray, when I'm not sitting in a group where other people can hear me pray, when I pray at home by myself or with myself, maybe in the car, etc., etc., it shows who I am. It shows who you are. Jesus says, do not be like those who love the outward proclamation of who they are, rather love those who inwardly do things in secret because their father knows in secret. They are people who are meek. They are people who aren't piling up, piling up impressive words and putting phrases together to impress others and God but particularly others. They're not using empty phrases. The Gentiles love to repeat and babble and do things again and again and again and hit microphones. They do those sort of things. He's saying just simple words. People ask me, how do I pray? What does Jesus say? Jesus says, well, you don't need fancy words. You don't need to be able to write great sentences. You don't need to be able to look good or sound good because your Father in heaven already knows, doesn't he, what you want. So praying is, comes from that heart where blessed are the poor in spirit. They know that they need their God, that everything they need in life comes from him. They know that they are not worthy, but they know that God is good. Their Lord in heaven loves them and they pray. Blessed are those who mourn. They mourn the fact of righteousness in their life is not as what it should be. They mourn for the fact that God's name is not hallowed. They are people who want God's name glorified. And so Jesus gives us a model prayer, a practice is to it's a term it's a it's an example for people to do doing things jesus says like this pray then like this our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we are also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Not many words, not repeated over again and again. The prayer is simple and it is focused and it is focused on the coming kingdom of heaven and its values and asking Lord, bring them. May your kingdom come. By the way, the ending, you noticed, of the Lord's Prayer is not there. Did you notice that, that we say? And the ending is? 
Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Yes, that's it. Um, it's not, we, you realise that in, your, in the Bible, your Bible behind it is a scientific process of comp- putting together what is the most accurate. Uh, it's not just things that have been copied or made up or whatever. It's actually comparing texts from different traditions and believe you, it's the world, God's word has gone everywhere. And so the, the copies that we have of these things go from all different regions and different times. The earliest ones don't seem to have that ending, but you can find it added in your Bible, I think, as a footnote. But just to reassure you, have you heard of the document, the Didache? D-I-D-A-C-H-E, and I have no idea if I'm pronouncing it correctly. It's a, a 90 AD document. So that's pre the first end of the first century. It has the long ending. It is a book full of uh, uh, quite a bit about worship and how we do things in the church, and it also has the Lord's Prayer. So in 90 AD, Christians were using the Lord's Prayer with that longer ending. So don't get too worried about that. Not It seems reasonable that it's to be used. Um, why do we pray? Jesus says we pray because it reveals our hearts, which are in secret. It pray in simple ways because God knows our hearts. We pray because it emphasises what we want to happen. Hallowed be your name. It echoes the phrase of the prophet Ezekiel, which is why we read that other reading. It asking for the Lord to act for his kingdom come. So verse 14 and 15, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will the Father forgive your trespasses. Remember, Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Jesus wants to emphasize that point. And lastly, fasting in verse 16 to 18. Fasting was a distinguished mark, a distinguishing mark, sorry, of the Jewish people. It was not something that was done everywhere, but it was noted by writers such as Tacitus. Have you heard of Tacitus? I've heard of him. Uh, and the Suetonius, I have heard of him, but know almost nothing about him. But I know someone told me, so I put it in here. They both tell us about how the Jews practice fasting. It's strange for the time, and they make note of it. Jesus is just saying it also should be done in secret because if you want people to see how righteous you are, how pious you are, one of the other things you could do is make sure you know I'm fasting. I had a a friend once and uh, we were out and I said to him, uh, have a, have this. Why don't you have a piece of this? I can't remember where it was. Have of this. And he said, no, no, I don't want to. I don't know why it was, but I got very insistive. I said, have one. Have one. 
Might have said, again, have one. I don't know. Anyway, eventually I forced him. He said, oh, I'm fasting. <laughs> and I forced him to fast. And, and it was, he was so annoyed because he was trying to hide it. And why? Well, uh, I was having fun by hassling him, but he was doing it because when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. I had no clue he was fasting. Not a clue. Couldn't tell. And I have no, no reason, no understanding about why I forced him to tell me or how, how that happened, but it did. He was doing his righteousness in secret, not on display. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, said Jesus. Not hunger and thirst for public approval, but when your father sees in secret, what you do, it will reward you. Jesus has these series of contrasts, which in the end are all about your heart and what it is like. Your public display of your piety, of your religiousness, or your holiness is of little interest to him. And in fact, if you do so, you will have received your reward. Jesus is saying, make sure your heart is right, for your righteousness needs to be better than anyone who says they are holy. In this end time, which we now live, as Jesus has pulled us into his kingdom, our hearts are his, and all that we do comes through praise and worship and service of him and not others, whether it be giving, prayer, and, of course, fasting, which I haven't got a lot to say on. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we uh, thank you for this teaching today. We thank you that Jesus came that we might know you. Thank you that you revealed to us by your spirit what you are like, that your word tells us and shows us and gives us clear instruction on how we please you and can please you. Thank you, Father, that you know our hearts. We pray our hearts might be right before you. Please forgive us when our hearts have not been right and aren't right. Please help us to change. Please lead us in ways that please you. Lord, we want to please you. We want to please you and to do what you ask us to do. Lord, we pray that we might do all that we, we might serve you out of our hearts. Help us to be people of prayer. Help us to be people who give. Help us be people who serve your kingdom in all that we do and say purely from our, the heart that knows and serves our Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.